0: Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm your host, Michael Abramson. Today, we will be continuing our series of interviewing candidates running in the 2022 midterm elections. Today, we will be focusing on a state race in Georgia, the race for the Georgia House of Representatives, District 52. And my guest today is Wendy Keel. I have invited Wendy's opponent, Shay Roberts, to come on the show and she will have the same questions that I ask Wendy. Wendy Aaron Keel is running for Republican Georgia State House District 52. Wendy has lived and given back to her community for over 20 years. She is currently a member of the Junior League of Atlanta, where she served on the board of the Georgia Network to End Sexual Assault. Wendy also serves, alongside her two boys, on the Youth Men's Service League, which teaches leadership and life skills to develop our young men to become confident, capable, and future leaders. Wendy is a precinct and county committee member of the DeKalb Republican Party. Wendy is also an avid tennis player, and she is a member of both USTA and ALTA. Wendy grew up in Daphne, Alabama, and graduated from Christian Brothers University with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration, while also lettering in college tennis. For over two decades, Wendy has been a successful sales leader in the medical device industry. Wendy and her two sons live in Brookhaven. She and her boys have been active in sports at the Cowart Family YMCA and Murphy Candler Park. Her family also enjoys tennis, football, lacrosse, traveling, and pickleball. They are also members of the Peachtree Road United Methodist Church. Wendy, welcome to Advancing the Agenda.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: As a preliminary question, where does House District 52 sit?
1: Sure. District 52 is very unique, Michael. I'm one of the only candidates that goes from DeKalb County into Fulton. So it encompasses a little bit of Brookhaven, where I actually reside,
0: into Sandy Springs and then over into a little bit of Dunwoody. So District 52 is located north of Atlanta, and it's a big, diverse district. It is. Let's start with the question about why are you running for office?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I am running for office, Michael, because I seriously cannot imagine a world for my kids to grow up in like what we're seeing today. So a couple of years ago, you know, we started seeing a lot of things go downhill, Mm -hmm. You know taxes inflation but the biggest thing of why i'm running is crime um, I've, i'm a single mom of two boys and i do live in brookhaven but we've seen just record numbers of crime you know all the crime that's going up all over this country but not much less atlanta georgia and it's creeping up into the brookhaven area and i just i wanted to throw my name in the hat and i wanted to serve and i wanted to be a voice for my children and for my community to help stop with the crime that's going on and help stop with inflation and all the other things. I just cannot imagine a world where leftist Stacey Abrams or Shay Roberts, who I'm running against, um, you know, are still in power. So here I am. That's why I'm running.
0: And what do you view as your greatest uh, qualifications?
1: I, I'm not your typical politician. I'm a single mom. Like I said, I've been a con Situent and a voter here in DeKalb County for over 19 years. But, um, you know, I've sat on many boards. I have, you know, been involved with my children's school. I am a great leader. I am in medical device sales. So I'm around the healthcare industry. I, I hear a lot of things going on in that arena. But I think my greatest qualification is just that I'm a single mom and I see what's going on and I hear other moms talk about. You know, all the different issues that are going on, I mean, including, you know, what's going on in our schools, the crime, inflation, all of that. So I would say my my greatest qualification is
0: just that I live
1: it every single day.
0: Well, it's so important to have someone that's knowledgeable about the issues which everyday people are facing. Why do you think you would be a better representative than your opponent?
1: Yeah, I mean, my opponent. Is just you know the typical left wing. I mean, she's a rubber stamp for Stacey Abrams. She pushed for longer lockdowns. She wanted to keep people locked out of jobs and schools. She wanted to keep children in masks. She wanted to push you know mandates and and not care about the medical freedom um, and all of that stuff. So I that's what I know about my opponent, and that is completely opposite of what I stand for.
0: Speaking of masks, how long were your children required to wear masks and what were the effects of the masks?
1: Yeah, Michael, my children were in masks, and my older child um, just graduated last year and he was a little bit past, you know, the the bubble of of the learning curve, where my younger child deals a lot with dyslexia and a little bit of learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. And to see my, my younger child come home, Michael, every day and cry to me and say, Mommy. I can't understand the teacher. I don't know what she's saying. I need to see her mouth move. Absolutely broke my heart. And it was just, you know, it was enough to see my own child do it. I can't imagine how many other children and how many other parents went through that. The the same thing I did watching their child and, and how disappointed they were every day that they could not understand and get the learning that they needed because of these
0: masks. That's that's terrible. I I know a lot of people went through that and a lot of people who a lot of the kids are having a hard time with uh, pronunciation as well because they're not able to see the teacher's mouth move.
1: Absolutely. And that was my child's biggest concern is mommy. I cannot see my and and you know, Michael, some of us don't think like that and we don't learn that way. And to hear children say it, it, it was just devastating. Mm -hmm. So um, to answer your question, how long, you know, or what affected my child or how long was he in a mask? And the answer was uh, too long.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's shift the conversation to an issue which you brought up at the beginning, and that's a crime in your district. You stated that this is sort of one of your your main issues, if you could explain a little bit about the crime that goes on and your plans to address it.
1: So, you know, to answer your question about crime, it's, you know, rampant across the country. Um, And we've talked a little bit about how bad it is in Buckhead. We do not want to see that crime coming up to Sandy Springs. I have met with all three of my precincts and my police chief precincts and spoken about crime. And, you know, my biggest thing is I want to fully fund the police. I want to provide training for the police. You know, the left, their talking points are to defund the police. My opponent actually voted to defund the police with House Bill 286 in 2021. And it's just, you know, it's disgusting how these left-wing Democrats want to defund the police when really, you know, it's hurting their communities, you know, the most we have a huge problem with crime michael across the country you know there was an article that came out just the other day that nationwide 56 officers have been killed by gunfire oh, and terrible. i mean that's that's incredible 14 more than this time last year and about 45% ahead of the 2020 pace so what i'm going to do when i get elected and the first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to continue to work with the police force With the police precincts and with the police chief and i am going to just come up with ways and work across the board of how we can fund these police officers make them feel like that we care a big thing in the community is they put their life on the line every day michael and they just want to feel like they're supported and they do not feel like they are supported um, today even the ones in sandy springs Even the ones in Dunwoody and Brookhaven, they want to feel like the community is behind them and like their taxpayers and constituents are behind them. So I want to be their conservative voice and I want to be their overall voice to tell them that we we support them and we care about them and we want them to do what's right for our community and protect us.
0: To give the viewers a little bit of background, Sandy Springs Brookhaven and Dunwoody are their own cities correct with their own that is correct. police departments
1: That is correct. Um, Sandy Springs um, c- became a police or a city back in I want to say 2008. Um, they have a full police force as of 2012 and and just to let you know, Sandy Springs of all the three precincts actually do a very good job with um, hiring and their police pay. Um, pay. They just need to feel like they're supported in the community. So it's been nice meeting with them and getting their support and hearing, you know, what their concerns are as well. So um, I think we're pretty much aligned um, in that matter. But yes, those three cities are their own three different precincts.
0: Advancing the agenda has covered the proposed Buckhead City. Bill White, chairman and CEO of the Buckhead City Committee, has been on episodes 17 and 36 of the podcast, which were great descriptions of Buckhead City. Would your district, House District 52, be part of the proposed Buckhead City?
1: So no, and that's a great question. And I am fully endorsed by Buckhead City, which I'm very proud to say that. Um, I, I attend a lot of their events and it's nice to be endorsed by them. But where it is important, Michael, is that even though mine is not a part of it, I touch those city or the city of Buckhead, and I touch those districts. So those districts will be reaching out across to gain support. So when they do introduce legislation for the city of Buckhead, um they will be you know reaching across for the districts that are closest to them to help vote in favor of what they're going to be introducing.
0: and And just from practical reason, if there's if there's crime in Buckhead, only a little bit further north is your constituents.
1: That is exactly right, Michael. Just a little bit further north is my are my constituents. I have had probably four very dear friends move out of Ashford Park and Brookhaven in the past year due to the crime. It has kind of creeped up toward our area. Uh, my sister and her husband have two young children. They moved completely out of Atlanta to get away from the crime. They didn't even want to keep their children here to start school here in pre-K and kindergarten. And that's unfortunate, Michael. We have a beautiful city. Um, our, our district encompasses three amazing cities with great people. And it's unfortunate to hear all of these people leaving. That's tax dollars leaving. That's you know good constituents leaving, all because no one is doing anything about the crime.
0: And the crime seems to be increasing both in its frequency and in its brazenness. Last Thursday, a man was murdered outside of his home, shot to death. And over the weekend, a car rammed through the front window of a brand new restaurant in Buckhead.
1: Absolutely, Michael. And, you know, I know we're we're speaking for House District 52 here, but you're exactly right. Um, You know, the mayor of Atlanta came on a couple of weeks ago saying that, you know, crime is down and the drag racing is down. That's another important topic to bring up drag racing in the, in the streets, it does come from Buckhead all the way up, you know, Peachtree road comes up into Brookhaven into my, you know, constituents. And they did, they drove a car and killed a young man. There's so many murders that happen as well that, you know, are just swept under the rug. And, it's unfortunate that these things are not being addressed and that the crime is still happening. We we have got to get in there and all of us come together to put an end to it. It's absolutely, it's out of control.
0: Speaking of drag racing, on Saturday morning, the downtown connector, that's I-75 and I-85 that goes through Atlanta, was shut down around 5 a.m. with Just people, people got on the expressway, shut it down.
1: It, it is terrible, Michael. It's a cesspool for you know, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but a lot of people do, you know, you see all these out of town license plates. And anytime you see the cars that are coming in with, you know, the dual mufflers and just, you know, the, the Camaros, the Dodge chargers, and I don't want to, you know, put a name on these cars, but it is not fair for these cars to be able to drag race, race up and down. We need to be able to put measures in place to stop it To put these people in jail to charge them with a crime because they're hurting innocent people they're driving into buildings they're killing children and it's just not a good scene for the Atlanta area for people that want to go out I mean downtown Michael is completely dead. No one goes to restaurants down there, Um, you know, that's moving into a whole other, you know, topic of homeless, the homeless problem we have, the crime, and then just the drag racing. It's just, it's a terrible scenario that we have for our beautiful city of Atlanta that, you know, we are so prideful of and, um, you know, I hope we all get in there and we're able to put an end to this.
0: Our next topic is the economy in Georgia. As a representative, how would you deal with issues related to the economy?
1: Um, Our economy, first of all, we need to be grateful that we had Governor Kemp as our governor during these terrible past two years. We had a thriving economy in Georgia before the pandemic. Governor Kemp was the last one to shut our economy or, you know, to shut our state down. And then the first one to reopen when we were able to reopen. Um, but speaking of the economy, just with everything going on with the inflation coming down from, you know, the national level from President Biden, every time I go out and door knock, door knock Michael, all I hear is, oh, my gosh, Gas prices and food, and being a single mom of two boys, let me tell you, going to the grocery store and living on a budget, buying one bag of groceries is what I used to a couple of years ago buy three bags of groceries for. And that adds up. People Mm -hmm. aren't going out and going to the movies like they used to do an extracurricular. People are living paycheck to paycheck, and, and people are feeling it. So, um, it's an issue. It's a problem. The gas prices are a problem. And you know, if I hear the left one more time say, oh, bro- gas prices are going down. Well, that's great. But they are still a couple of dollars above what they were when Biden took office. So, I mean, people are noticing it. People are tired of it. And people are going to go to the voting polls and they're going to vote with their wallets because People can't afford to keep paying all these prices and all these taxes and all this inflation. So with me being in office and elected, I am hoping to join across and I'm going to, you know, eliminate and be a part of legislation that eliminates wasteful spending. We cannot keep spending money that we don't have, Michael. We cannot keep taking care of everyone else. You know, we have got to take care of Georgia. So, like I said, you know, um, Kemp is the number one state to do business. So it's a good thing that we do live here, but we have got to get these prices down.
0: Right. No, I think it's a, it's an issue that's affecting everyone, and it's a, it's not a red issue, not a blue issue. It's a green issue.
1: That's that's completely right. And I mm-hmm. hear it across the board. And you are correct. It's a it's an American issue. People
0: are suffering, and people are tired of it. Related to the economy issue is that Georgia has a large fiscal surplus. What do you think should be done with that surplus?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what I think should be done with that surplus. I think that it should be returned, you know, to the citizens of Georgia. You know, Governor Kemp did that and returned over a billion dollars of that of the surplus funds to the Georgia taxpayers to help them fight, you know, that Biden inflation. So that's what I think should be done with that money.
0: Georgia has also temporarily relieved the tax on gasoline.
1: Yes, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, we also had where the Republicans suspended you know, Georgia's de- gas tax. So um, that was very nice as well. At the beginning
0: of the podcast, you talked about masks in schools. Let's go back to the topic of education. What are your plans for education in Georgia?
1: Yeah, I mean, education is so important. There is so much talk about Crt in the schools, parents not being involved in the schools. And let me tell you that's that's where we've gone wrong. We need to get back to reading, writing and arithmetic. We need to have parents involved in these schools. we need to have the government stay out um, and then you know with education, if we can just stick to the basics, I think everything would get on track. I think the government is trying and the Democrats, Are trying to stick their nose into too many things that really and truly the average Georgian just want their child to be educated. They want their child to be safe in school. And they want their child to come home and have friends and be happy. And all of this CRT and pushing these things down these young children's throats, it's it's not healthy. And it's really and truly, it's not a winnable solution.
0: How would you propose eliminating the teaching of CRT or critical race theory?
1: Yeah, I mean, criti- critical race theory, just to let you know, Shay, my opponent, voted nay to the passage of a bill limiting CRT in Georgia curriculum.
0: And just to clarify, by voting against the limitation of critical race theory, she was for the teaching of critical race That is
1: correct. She was absolutely for more critical race theory in schools. Um, you know, teaching of divisive concepts or, you know, like an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment, Michael, you know, slowly on the color of, you know, somebody's skin in race, and I think we all know that that just does not work. I mean, and Martin Luther King said it best, you know, we don't need to judge anybody by the color of our skin. We need to just all be Americans together. So yeah, my opponent voted for that. And she voted nay, meaning that she wanted more critical race theory in schools. Uh,
0: Are you in favor of Common Core being taught in schools?
1: I am not in favor of Common Core being taught. Um, Again, I know we all have different learning styles and learning levels. But the way that I look at it, Michael, is, you know, we do need to challenge kids. We need to keep them... You know, educated based on what they are learning, and with Common Core, it's it's really going down to a level where they we're not making the kids you know be held accountable. Therefore, we're not making Georgia be held accountable. Georgia ranks very low. You know, I want to say, and I want to say it's in the forty seventh or forty eighth percentile across the nation. That that's disgusting, Michael. We need to have these teachers teaching these kids having these standard test scores coming in higher because these kids are capable of it and if we continue to keep catering to you know oh the child can't do it or the child's not you know able to do it then we're not going to raise our standards therefore we're going to complete you we're going to stay low across the nation with our testing scores and we're better than that so we need to not teach common core we need to teach on the ability of the kid of the child and we need to challenge these kids because they can do it and there are resources available we just need to make sure that those budgets and those resources are going toward that and not you know towards um bonuses for teachers or bonuses for you know deKalb county board of, of education we need to reallocate funds so it does go toward the child and it's spent fairly for, you know, for education.
0: Do you have a, an opinion on school choice?
1: I do have an opinion on school choice. School choice, you know, the, the money should follow the child. So if a child is in an area where the school is performing low, why can't that child use that tax money, Michael, and go to a school that they have a chance to perform higher? Because as we all know, if a child can perform better, they're going to, you know, perform better in college and then, you know, later later on in life.
0: Jumping back to an issue related to the economy, what is your position on taxes in Georgia?
1: Yeah, thank you for that question, Michael. Um, of course, I am for lowering taxes and I am for
0: having lower taxes across the board for Georgians. And your position applies to corporate taxes as well? Absolutely. Our last topic is health care. Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor as a Democrat, is pushing for Medicaid expansion. What is your position on this issue?
1: So yeah, Michael, concerning Medicaid expansion, once again, it's a false rhetoric talking point from the left. You know, they want to sit there and say that, you know, Stacy boldly announced when she was running back in two thousand and eighteen that she wanted to expand Medicaid, you know, Medicaid expansion by five hundred thousand people. And just to let you know, in two thousand and nineteen, there were um, two million one hundred and twenty five thousand Georgians were on Medicaid. As of june twenty 2022, there are two million seven hundred and eighteen thousand Georgians on Medicaid. Medicaid has been expanded, Michael, and it has not worked. Um, that's an increase of nearly six hundred thousand people, and we are still in the same problem in the situation that we are in today. And everyone wants to talk about, you know, the closure of Atlanta Medical Center and, you know, expanding Medicaid. Well, that money has to come from somewhere. Um, just to let you know, too, with me being in healthcare, I hear it daily. You know, Georgia has to pay for these Medicaid patients. Right now, there are only sixty-four percent of providers in Georgia that will even accept Medicaid. And why is that? Because they're not getting reimbursed. Mm-hmm. It's not reimbursed the same, Michael, as if you have private insurance. Um, private insurance reimburses, you know, roughly around 130 to 140 percent, whereas Medicaid, you know, reimburses at 85 percent. So where is that money coming from? And then two, if we do push the expansion of Medicaid, it's going to cause, you know, covering Georgians up to that, I think it's that 138 percent of the uh, federal poverty level, it's going to cause roughly 200,000 Georgians that are on the lower precipice of that um, private insurance to be forced into the Medicaid. So it's going to cause worse problems. The lower the reimbursement, the lower the the money, the hospital and the providers get back from their, their services that they're doing. So the money has to come from somewhere and um, expanding medicaid is just a rhetoric talking point from the left and it just doesn't work Um, as as in the example i just gave you from 2019 until you know recently in june of 2022.
0: and why is the number of medicaid recipients increasing so much in georgia
1: expanded because they fall into that poverty level and Georgia does try to do the right thing. We do try to take care of them. But like I said, the money has to come from somewhere. Full Medicaid expansion, you know, as if we say it right now, it would not have saved Atlanta Medical Center. And it's not going to save, you know, a lot of other things. We have got to get people back to work. We've got to get them, you know, with jobs that they can get private insurance because we just don't have the Medicaid network of providers to provide that for this extra expansion. And like I said, we tried to expand it already by 500,000 people, we've done that. Expanding it more is just gonna cause more money issues and more failures. And we've gotta find other solutions like getting people back to work, Michael.
0: What other solutions would you propose?
1: So another thing, Michael, another solution is, you know, Governor Kemp introduced the Georgia Pathways, and that's a program that charts, you know, it's like a common sense approach for the uninsured, able-bodied, you know, lower income adults in, you know, age ranging 19 to 64 to, you know, secure safety net coverage through Medicaid. So it allows them to have, you know, programs to help them with mental health. You know, Governor Kemp also provided we hear a lot of rhetoric talk from the left of, you know, we don't have enough for mental health. There are several major reforms that have been signed, including House Bill one zero one three, known as the Mental Health Parity Act. Um, We also have the postpartum Medicaid coverage, which is huge. You know, went from for women. That's a big thing for women. It went from six months postpartum into 12 months. So that was signed by SB 338, and you know, 83.5 million was appropriated to that bill. So there's other things that are continually introduced to legislation. There is the the surplus that's being used. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been an estimated amount of 130 over 100 million for you know programs that are coming down. So we're trying to get people to help. George is doing a great job under the leadership of. Governor Kemp, we just, you know, we've got to keep pushing forward and know that there are funds, but we have to make sure people know you've got to get back to work, you've got to start taking some accountability, and we cannot keep coming up with money and squeezing money from all the current taxpayers, because the money runs out at some point.
0: Well, we have 22 days until the election. Um, How can people get involved with your campaign? How can they support you?
1: Absolutely, Michael. 22 days left. As you know, early voting started on Monday, today, October 17th. Please look up and look for your early voting precincts. We have extended the hours to make it easier for early voting, but please get in touch with me. Let me know how you can get out. Let me know if you need a a yard sign. Go to wendyforgeorgia.com. That's my website. On my Twitter is wendybearinkeel.com. And on my Instagram is win. So please reach out. Please shoot me a text and let me know what I can do. Bring you a yard sign. And if you want to go door knock and help me campaign, I would greatly appreciate it. We've got to push 22 days left uh, to come across this victory line with a big win.
0: Wendy, thanks so much for joining us. And I look forward to speaking with everyone next time on Advancing the Agenda.